Mac Power Users, Episode 310, One Year Indie with Jason Snell. back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Ready for this show. Yeah. Well, we are back again with a um, fairly frequent guest of the show and um, Relay FM network host, Jason Snell. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's always nice to be on your on your show. The number is getting more and more intimidating all the time. Three hundred and ten is a lot of a lot of podcasts. Oh, well, hey, now how many? What's incomparable at now? We're we're in the two nineties. Oh, really? Now. I thought we I thought you were ahead of us for sure. Well, we, we we were, were right you, there, you right there with you. You, we you cheat. cheat. You do an extra episode and yeah. every month, and you've blown right past us now. So. <laughs> Uh, I remember well, we were like right at was it was it two hundred where we were right there neck and neck with each yeah. other yeah one ninety nine yeah, and two hundred when we went were at five by five um, we were almost identical for quite a while um, we were just going back and forth it was pretty cool and yeah number, uh, the two hundred spectaculars for both of our shows were about the same time well it, it's funny because we started we only did two a month when Mac Power used to started for the old schoolers out there and. Um, and eventually we expanded to four. So you started actually after us, oh, yeah, but, yeah. but you were catching you, up very quickly for you got a while. The, um, yeah, you got the upper hand uh, in terms of uh, seniority, for there sure. There we go. Because <laughs> Incomparable was only started in, in uh, August 2010. So it was long, you know, you, you're, you're way ahead of the curve with this podcast business, you two. I don't know about that. But the, for those of you out there who don't know Jason, uh, Jason is the former editor of Macworld Magazine and their online materials um, and. 2014, uh, he went independent. And Jason and I, I like to think of Jason as my fellow enabler. Uh, his, uh, your, your in-laws live near me. So yeah. a couple times a year, me and Jason get together and have a meal. And for many years, those meals were about propping each other up and saying, just deal with it. And you're going to get out of there soon. <laughs> it will all be okay one day. <laughs> you know? They're there. And, uh, and it's funny, you know, we just had lunch recently, Jason, and we didn't have to have any of those conversations with no, each we, other. We talked about like Star Wars and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's true. The um, you and I were both, uh, David, uh, we, we were in the position of saying, I don't know, I think I need to do something else. I think I need to go out on my own. And there was a lot of like back and forth about like, what's that going to mean and being supportive and, you know. All, yeah. all of that stuff. And it, it was funny. It was like these, yeah, like little therapy sessions every six months or so. And you really, I mean, really gave me such, you were so nice to me when I decided to do it myself and you gave me kind of a shove and it was, it was awesome. And, and, but in addition to all that, so now Jason runs the website six colors, which is probably my favorite source of, of news and information for Apple. You guys just have the right, you know, signal to noise mix over there. Which everybody should subscribe to, by the way. He has a subscription model over there. Right. News, and, commentary, and then really insightful stuff because you know the business. You and Dan Morin um, write that over there. It used to be Jason Snell and friends, and now we know yeah. who your friends are. I, yeah, I only have the one friend, it turns out. It's Dan. Yeah, totally. yeah. Dan, Dan, uh, Dan's been a, a great help. I, I wanted the site to have more stuff on it than just me. I felt like this pressure to fill the site every week, and I just, there's no way I could fill it at, to relieve that pressure. So I, I pay Dan to help me fill that out. And that's good because it gives him an outlet to do it because he, you know, he wants to still write about tech stuff, not full time for his entire you know career, but he wants to do it as a portion of what he does. So we uh, make a good team. And the thing that I love about it is when you're at Macworld, you were a manager. I mean, you were dealing mm -hmm. with all the manager type things that managers do. 
And now we're getting yeah. so much more content from you and the stuff that we love. So it's actually a big boon for us. Yeah, that's a, that's what we'll talk about it. But that's one of the biggest changes in my career and in my uh, my day to day work life now is that I'm not. You know, I went from being an editor and writing some to being an editor and manager and writing a lot to being a manager and editing almost nothing and writing only a little. And uh, I've come all the way around to being, you know, primarily a writer, actually, which is not something that I had had been before because I'd always had other things that I was doing. Um, I was never like staff writer or something like that. So um, it's a very it's a big change, but it's been great. Now you do it all. Yeah. 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 Well, and and some levels I, I do. Right. I mean, I also control the templates and <laughs> it's sort of everything. Yeah. And and in addition to that, you're a, you're a podcaster. You have several shows on the Relay Network along with us. you got the Upgrade, uh, Clockwise and Liftoff. Uh, Upgrade is, is your show with Mike Hurley and Clockwise is uh, a great show. It's 30 minutes with four tech topics. And unlike Mac Power users, they stick to the 30 minutes. So I like that. Uh, it's very strict. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you got to love a format. I, I, I just heard from a lot of people that they thought tech podcasts were were too long. And you know, if you if you like long podcasts, Guilty. it's great. But some people don't want that. Some people want to drop in something shorter, and it's always thirty minutes, so it's always going to be shorter. And, and then you've got the liftoff show you're doing with Stephen, which is all about space, which is great too. Yeah. And you have the kind of the pop culture podcast network called incomparable where you guys talk about books and movies and doctor who and star wars and all that great stuff so all that stuff yeah there's many many podcasts over there I, somebody asked me how many podcasts i do in a week and i i've kind of lost count um depends on how you count i have four or five podcasts a week uh, plus a, a bunch that are not weekly that are that are fortnightly basically but it's a lot there's a lot of podcasts there's no doubt about it so you're not sitting idle now that you've left Macworld. <laughs> no, I've been pretty busy. I got to say, I've been pretty busy. And that's that's another challenge of going indie is, is you know, when you I've always the things that I've done as a hobby have always been uh, mixed up more or less with the stuff I do as my job. And um, this has become more problematic in the last year only because now I have to I have to weigh it a little bit more. Like if I get too far down one direction where I'm spending a lot of time on things that are are fun but don't make any money, then I'm kind of being irresponsible and I need to pull it back a little bit and find a better balance. Because it's very easy when it's all sort of the same thing, like making podcasts and writing things to um, lose track of the other element of it, which is some of them some of them we do for fun. And that's all. And some of them we do and they're fun, but they're also how we support ourselves. And yes. I got I don't know why I'm saying we all of a sudden. Uh, but anyway, it's a little bit of both. So I just have to keep keep that in mind from time to time. But I'm definitely busy. That is not uh, that is not a question. Well, it, it, it is in this case kind of the communal week because I, I feel like I've kind of jumped into the same soup as you. And Katie yeah. has as well. Katie, uh, well, you know, a little different. Firm, and she's kind of responsible for what she kills now. And. Um, and the, the the reason I really want to do the show when we had our recent lunch, I was talking to you, I was thinking when we first started this journey kind of together, um, we had all these great ideas and, and how we were going to make things work. And now we have the wisdom of a year behind it. And I thought it would be a lot of fun to talk about, um, uh, some of the show is going to be about technology. Some of it's going to be kind of hippie stuff, but just, you know, after a year, <laughs> uh, what have we found? And, and so that's kind of the impetus for us being here today. Yeah, it's it's a it's big picture stuff. I mean, all of our how we use technology and how we, uh, you know, organize ourselves and all of that, I think, go 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 into this. Right. It's all it's all part of the machine here. It's not just, uh, you know, 
this isn't just the indie lifestyle. Uh, do you wear pajamas? Yeah. Kind of. We can, we can talk about that if you want, but it's not just that. It, there, I feel like this is an interesting way into a lot of the stuff that you you talk about on this show. Anyway, just sort of from a different angle, a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. we're nerds, so we're going to use technology with this yeah. stuff. And and one of the nice things about being on your own is that you're the IT director as well, so you get to decide what what bits of technology work and which ones don't. Well, one of the things that we start, we, we talk about is, is let's talk a little bit about how the type of work that you've done has changed. And, and we've covered it a little bit where, you know, you're now doing a lot more writing and a lot less editing and a lot less of managing people. But you, you probably still have to, you know, you also, uh, you know, are the chief cook and the, the dishwasher, um, mm-hmm. you know, for all of your, your various networks. What, what pieces of that, you know, were maybe you not used to or were you not expecting would happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate in that some of it that I knew was going to come down on me that I wasn't super comfortable with was going to be a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, money stuff like uh, invoicing and doing the books and all of that. And um, I'm fortunate my wife uh, is a librarian, but she's a she's a part time librarian. She has a little bit of extra time during the work week and she has a uh, she has a business degree. So she is the CFO of the corporation, basically. And she does that for me, which is great. So that that's a, a load off of stuff that is starting your own business stuff that I didn't have to do. Um, I do realize that although I do, you know, I'm producing and managing podcasts and that, that it is kind of uh, with I'm hurting cats a little bit in terms of hosts and, and, uh, and participants and all of that. Um, so there is some logistics and planning there. There are large chunks of my, my, uh, set that I used to use all the time that, um, and more over time in my career that I don't use so much anymore. I, I was talking to actually talking to my wife about, um, some of the, she was applying for a job at a library and she was talking about the library budgets and, you know, I don't know anything about libraries, but I, we started talking and I, I was like throwing out these things about, well, when you interview somebody for a job, you should look for this and this is how you should do that. And when you're doing budgeting, you need to budget this way and all that. And I was like, oh yeah, turns out I know a lot of stuff like that, that I realize I just don't think about. I haven't thought about in a year and a half now. Um, so that's kind of funny to realize that there's like these skills that I built up over time. And I never felt like I was the greatest manager in the world. It was always a challenge for me. I worked at it, but it was not, it didn't come as easily to me as a lot of, uh, of editorial stuff did. Um, but now I'm just not using it at all. And I have those moments where I'm like, you know, you did actually spend more than a decade being a manager and, and you, then you managed a big budget. Maybe you do know some things about this and I'm not doing, you know, anything with those skills. So that's a, that's a big uh, that's a big change for me uh, in terms of what I don't do as opposed to what I do. I mean, there's, you know, the, I'd say that's the bigger change for me is actually stopping doing stuff that I used to do all the time. And suddenly I just don't do it anymore. Do you have any kind of goal in terms of time management where I try to spend, you know, 70 percent producing content and 30 percent on overhead or, or or some kind? Have you tracked any of that? I haven't done any time tracking. I've thought about it. I've got apps that do time tracking and I haven't done that. Like specifically, I mean, most of the time tracking stuff is for billing, right? And I'm, I'm not really doing that. Um, I do have one client that, uh, that I do from freelance work for that pays by the hour. But for the most part, it's by assignment if I'm doing freelance work. And if it's in internal, it's just my own stuff, then it's a little harder to make that calculation. What I am doing, uh, and we talked about this on Upgrade a little bit, um, and uh, Mike Hurley was kind of aghast when I was, uh, when I said, I, I don't use a task management system of any kind. I was and, waiting for you to come on the show so we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one of the things that I do, it turns out, is I manage tasks. I mean, I've got a lot of spreadsheets and stuff that have that have 
lists on them. But for my time, a lot of it is calendar. Um, it's I, I it turns out that I think maybe I was trained when I had so many meetings that were driving my uh, my my professional life at work. You know, every day I had two or three different meetings and then I was fitting in everything else I needed to do around the meetings. Now that I don't have those meetings anymore, I think I've sort of resorted to creating I have a calendar called writing, although it's not all writing stuff that's on there, where I will schedule events that are not real events, just saying you should write. Basically, like if I know this week that I need to write my column for Macworld because I still write for them weekly, I need to set aside a few hours on a day early in the week to do that. And so I make sure that that's on my calendar, even though, you know, it's not a hard, fast deadline. I I've put that on there and it's almost like I'm blocking out the time. So I try to do some of that just to say um, and recording and editing podcasts. Similarly, it goes on the calendar and then very quickly you can see like, here's here's your uh, here's your schedule time and here's your free time. And I find that actually kind of reassuring that um Having having a, a list of things to do and a time when I need to do them is quite comfort comforting in some ways. And I, I don't. I had a day last week where I had nothing on the calendar, and I was like, um, kind of beside myself. I, I what do I do? Because I could do anything, but I was a little paralyzed. Like, well, I could literally do anything now, and nothing is particularly pressing. And so I was kind of at my wits' end about what to do for a while because I I, I hadn't scheduled myself. Now, do you treat those calendar appointments as appointments? I mean, do you like if you say I'm going to do the Macworld column from 10 to 12, do you spend that time doing it or? Yeah, yeah you know, it's it's loose. I mean, and, and sometimes I'll miss it and then I'll drag it, you know, I'll drag so, it ahead. And so say, you well, do treat I didn't it as an appointment it. then you, you I, move yeah. it if you don't. Yeah, if, yeah, if I if I can't if I can't make it, then I'll move it. Um, but I it's it's on there uh, and it does have that effect that, you know, it's 10 o'clock and my little uh, notification pops up and it says you need to write that column and i I said to myself all right i'm gonna do that that's right that's a thing i should do and it's just a nice little uh push for me to do that or i'll look at it and go oh no i'm hip deep in this other thing that just happened i'm gonna do that later today and i'll move it but then again it's still on there and it still uh reflects the fact that i need to spend time on it that i owe that task some time so that's sort of how it how it's ended up for me yeah i do something similar um when i have i I do track my tasks and omnifocus but the um uh, sometimes I'll have a big project on Max Sparky thing or legal thing, and I will schedule it a time for it. And it's not that I'm really doing my tasks in the calendar, but I will schedule a block of time for that thing. And then I move that thing and OmniFocus to the day that, that that's got blocked. And I can tell you for me, psychologically, it really makes a difference. It's like my head clears of that that baggage at that point I'm like okay i've dealt with that not only do i have it moved to a certain day i've even set time aside for it now i don't have to think about it until then and um it's a, it's a good trick it works hmm. for me as well do you think like that katie you know i was just thinking sitting here as you guys were were talking about it, it it's really an opposite mindset of of what we're used to at least what i'm used to in my field because our calendar is kind of dictated the opposite way. It's dictated by when do I have appointments? Who's coming in to see me? Because typically when people come in to see you, that then typically drives the type of task that you do. You know, I'm having an appointment with this people or this person, then they're going to tell me their issue. And then that's going to drive the next task. Or I get this phone call and that's I have a phone conference and that's going to drive, you know, the next set of tasks. Um, I can see how it can be very liberating to do it the other way. If these are the tasks that I have to do, but yet if I blocked off appointment times to do these these particular things, you know, then I'm not going to be able to have time to to schedule those other meetings. And um, so maybe there's a maybe there's a, a compromise to be made, a happy balance of, you know, I'm going to 
I, I know there are you know, certain people who say, well, I'm going to see clients on Tuesday, Thursdays, or Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and then I'm going to spend those other hours of the day doing work. Yeah, do you have anything that, set up where there, where you have a schedule, where there are specific days that you, you try to do certain things, um, and then other days that you, I mean, do you have a schedule where, you know, Tuesday is podcast day, and, and Wednesday is hmm. the incomparable day, and Thursday is <laughs> writing day, or... Oh, every day is podcast day, Katie. Okay, well, that was that was a given, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I try to do that. Um, uh, you know, like I said, so those, those like writing the Macworld column, that's a repeating weekly event. And if I move it, I'll detach it from the, the repeat and I'll put it where I need to. But I've got it kind of locked on a day. And I've got some of that for... For other other stuff, I know the days that Dan is doing six color stuff, and the days that he's not, I've got marks down for sort of like write some six color stuff here, and I've got that in there. And then I do have like I clockwise on Wednesday morning, so that's marked on there. And I've got uh, you know incomparable editing to- happens toward the end of the week, and so yes, there 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 are things in there that are are much more scheduled. So I know that my week starts. In fact, my week is bookended by um, podcast sessions because Monday morning at nine a.m. Um, I have upgrade. And that is, it doesn't happen every time it didn't happen this week, but generally that's when it happens. And Friday afternoon, I have TV Talk Machine with Tim Goodman from The Hollywood Reporter, and we do that. And it's an hour, and it takes me five minutes to edit that. It's easy, but that that tends to be my... Um, cause we have it, we, we say we're going to do it at one o'clock. Um, but in reality, it's more like check in at one and see when in the afternoon we'll do it because he's got kid, uh, you know, childcare issues and I've got, I've got kids coming home from school and, you know, we'll, we often are recording it at three or four in the afternoon. So in some ways that's the sort of the capper to my work week. So, um, it gives it, it gives it a shape. It's a lot less structured in the middle than maybe in some ways my old job was, but it does give it some structure and I'm grateful for that. Now, now when you started going independent, I'm sure you knew, I mean, you suspected you'd be doing a lot more writing at that point, right? Mm -hmm. What, uh, what jobs do you have now that you didn't see coming? Huh? Um, well, I do. I do that. I didn't see coming. Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's more or less what I, what I expected. Uh, I, I can't say I didn't see taking on more podcast projects coming. Cause I sort yeah. of anticipated that I anticipated I would write more. Um, I'm not sure. Um, right now this weekly sponsorships on six colors are, uh, not, I don't have an agent to sell them. Um, Every week, it's sort of nobody's job to sell them, which is one reason why some weeks I don't have a sponsor, but uh, I sort of will uh, ping people or uh, I'll say, hey, we've got an opening. And that's I've sort of had this very lax attitude towards selling it. And it's worked okay so far, but I feel like um, every time I try to sell it, um, I'm reminded of how terrible ad sales is and why I never want to do that. And so that's one of those things where at some point here, I'm, I, I I actually need to find somebody to be my agent and sell that for me because I don't want to do that. And I do some of that now. It's not a lot, but still, that's not something I ever had to do in my old job. Worry about, you know, deal with advertisers and set rates and uh, and occasionally haggle over a discount in case I'm I'm like... Uh, sometimes if a week doesn't sell out, I'll say, all right, well, you can have it for a discount just to get somebody in. But um, that I'm not used to and I'm not super comfortable with, but it's part of the it's part of the deal. Well, I want to talk about some of your favorite apps. But before that, let's hear from our first sponsor. 
This episode of Mac Power Users brought to you by Gazelle, the online marketplace for buying and selling used gadgets, where you can shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade in ones for cash and give life to a used device. You can visit gazelle.com today for more information. For years, we've told you about Gazelle. It's the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics. You can trade in an old device for cash, buy a certified pre-owned new one, or do both. For trade-in, simply visit gazelle.com, find your device, get an instant quote, and shipping is free and payment is fast. If you're looking to buy a certified pre-owned device, Gazelle has a variety of iPhones, iPads, and Samsung Galaxy phones for you to choose from. Each device is fully inspected, backed by a 30-day return policy, and sold without any carrier contract. You can go to gazelle.com and see what your old device is worth, as well as check out their selection of certified pre-owned devices today. Gazelle also offers financing. You can provide some basic information to get instantly approved and choose to pay for your device over 3, 6, or 12 months. They also make payments easy via bank transfer, check, credit, or debit card. They also offer a warranty that helps cover accidental water damage, cracked screens, hardware defects, and more. And help is available 24-7 to help process claims and returns. There's several benefits of buying pre-owned devices from Gazelle. Their devices are available in good and excellent condition. Good condition shows some gentle signs of wear and tear, but are offered to consumers at great prices on wonderful devices. And all of their devices have been put under a rigorous 30-point inspection process ensuring that they are in great working order. Devices purchased from Gazelle are available to support all the major carriers like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint. And if you decide to trade your phone into Gazelle, all offers are free. You can simply go online to gazelle.com, give them a little information about your gadget, and find out what it's worth. Just answer a few easy questions to get your instant price quote. Payments are fast. You can either get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox, or direct deposit into your PayPal account. So give life to your new and used electronics, trade them in for cash, or buy a certified pre-owned device from gazelle.com today. To get started, just visit gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, and when you do, please make sure that you list Mac Power users in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So thanks to Gazelle for their continued support of the show. So Jason, one of the things we always like to ask is, you know, tell us a little bit about your your setup. And I know you've been on the show before, so we've talked extensively right. about your your Mac and your Brain Ball and and your your <laughs> iMac on the on the Vesa Mount. And so people can can go back to previous episodes if they want to learn more about that. But one of the things that I know is probably constantly in flux are um, some of the apps that you're using. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the apps that you're using on a on a day to day basis to to get some of your work done. And and maybe if the have evolved over time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I had that realization that in some ways my workflow on my Mac has not changed dramatically in a long time. Uh, I'm still writing in primarily in BB Edit, which I've been writing in for almost two decades now, I feel like. Uh, but there are changes. I mean, one of the big things you're right, you, you mentioned, and we've talked on previous shows that I've got a, you know, I've got an adjustable desk and I've got a, an iMac 5K on, a, on an arm so I can adjust it. And that's all great. One of the things that I've done in the last few months is I bought a, an iPad Pro and I'm oh, using Oh, we're going to talk about that. 
Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm using that as a change of pace almost in some ways. And it's really not, not replaced my iMac, but it has replaced my laptop that I was using sort of when I needed to be kind of out. Now I, I kind of, if I'm out in the rest of my house outside of my office, I'm generally just using the iPad Pro. And that, that's given me some time with, with some, some iOS apps that I, I use now. But there's some stuff that spans them too. Like Slack is something that I probably wouldn't, didn't even know about when I was last on. But um, as somebody who doesn't have an office anymore with people in it, I mean, Macworld and IDG in general, we had a lot of out of office people anyway. We weren't always, um, you know, it wasn't just people in the office. We had people on the East Coast and you know, all sorts of places who were remote workers. So we always had some tools, whether it was like AOL Instant Messenger or it was campfire or hip chat and now it's slack but it's become essential for me since i've been on my own because i don't have um i don't have people i work with in that in that physical way anymore they're not i don't go to an office where there are people so and you just run into people and you talk to them and it gives you some human human contact and you know i could theoretically go an entire day without contact with anyone from when my my wife and kids go out the door in the morning until they come back in the afternoon um and so slack has been a big help to me because i'm in a couple of really active slack groups one for relay and one for the incomparable and um that's been helpful i mean there's a lot of talk out there about how slack it can be a uh, a productivity killer and i would say that's true of any social media and if your if your office culture is such that everybody needs to be paying attention to slack all the time and it becomes like a a second job i'd say that's a problem with your office culture more than it's a problem with slack for me slack has kind of been a lifeline not only does it give me some social interaction that i didn't have because i don't work in an office anymore but i have found it productive we talk about stuff for the podcast I do um, on both networks, we talk about business stuff. I talk with Stephen and uh, Mike about uh, about relay strategy stuff that they're working on. They throw things at me and we talk about it. That's been really great and incomparable. We do a lot of brainstorming about next our next wild idea that we're going to have for some weird spinoff podcast. And uh, and so it, it serves both of those purposes. And I am um, so so Slack is definitely high up on my list of uh of essential items now on iOS and on Mac. You know, it's, I, I really like Slack for the nerd side of my life. And I've been lately thinking about maybe even implementing it on the legal side. Cause I, I represent a lot of people in technology and I think they'd be very comfortable mm. with it. And it just gives you a really nice way to have contact without an expectation of immediate response. I agree. I mean, that's how I feel about it is it's great if it's immediate, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I don't have a problem quitting it and then opening it later. And finding out what I missed is fine. And I don't feel like it's essential unless people are talking directly to me. If there's some conversation I miss, I'm also okay with that. But it's nice to be able to have it um, kind of running in, in, in the background as the back channel. While I feel like I've, I just feel more connected to people when I'm doing that. And as I go about my day, um, it, it means that I don't sit here and feel like isolated in my garage, which I could very easily feel otherwise. Well, one for, problem for me is I, I fall into holes. Like if I'm working on a book or something important on the legal side, I, I can go into like kind of the space where I'm working on something for a day or two. And I just don't, I'm not regular with those things. Like even like on the relay slack, I'll be in there a lot one day and then I won't show up for like three more days <laughs> and Twitter. I have the same problem. And I do think that um, if you're going to turn it into kind of the tool you're talking about, you actually do need to be a, a little more present than I than I'm doing these days. Mm. 
And we have people all the time. Every time we mention Slack, it seems like we get emails from people saying, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how this can help me or my business or what it is. Is it a Twitter replacement? Is it a chat room replacement? Is it an IM replacement? And I guess the answer to that is really, well, you know, it depends on what you want. I, I think in order for you to take advantage of Slack, you first and foremost have to have a group of people that you're going to use Slack with because it's designed to be used um, with a group or with teams. So for example, right. in in the relay, and, and you can be on multiple groups and multiple teams simultaneously. Like Jason mentioned, I you know, I know that you mentioned you were in the relay Slack team um, and then on one for the incomparable. So for example, in the in the relay Slack, we have a couple of general open chats that people are a part of. Um, and then we have a chat that's only for the host that we try to keep it fairly business related. Yep, down to business on that one. Serious oh, business always only. Only business related things. Um, we got in trouble for being silly in that chat room and we we're do. told to not do that, to lay that off on that. Yeah. Stop it. Um, and then each show, I think, <laughs> so, typically. So we're still dealing with the man. That's part of the, yeah. Yeah. the well, yeah. Stephen Hackett is the man, basically. Yeah, the enforcer. And then you can have, you know, you know, subgroups within there. So, for example, you know, Mac Power Users has a has a, has a a chat room that's just, you know, David and I and, and Mike and Steven. So if there's stuff specifically related to our show. And then I think when Star Wars came out, you know, we developed a, a chat room simultaneously that people could join after they had seen it. So we could limit the the spoiler talk in the in the main chat room. So you can yep. you can have subgroups for things like that. But it's really not something that you can just say, okay, I, I want to get in on Slack and, and join it individually because Yeah, it's very lonely. You you'll be lonely on Slack and you'll just be you in there in the right. Slack bot talking to each other. Yeah. Um but Federico, for example, uses it for Mac stories, um, you know, kind of as a a way to manage his entire business. So if you have a remote office, you know, you can put assignments in Slack. You know, you can, you can, there are some very powerful ways to customize it um, and some very powerful plugins that you can use with Slack so that you can um, put all kinds of notifications within Slack so mm -hmm. that you can put tasks within Slack. So, I mean, it, it really is not any one thing to any one person. Yeah, I've got, I actually am paying for a Slack instance that is for six colors. That is just me and Dan, basically, at this point. But you can, even then, you can invite some people and have them be in very specific uh, uh, channels. And uh, and then you can integrate more stuff. And and part of that has just been exploring sort of like, what can I do with paid Slack? And, and Federico is definitely an inspiration for that, because I know that he's doing all sorts of things with it in terms of like an email gateway. And I'm not using it that much at this point, but um, I, I, I think I like having it. One of the problems with Slack is the way that it's built is, and is it a problem? I think it's actually a secret to its success is they give you a whole lot for free. There's just a huge amount of it that's for free. And then when you get to the paid features, it's essentially like they don't have that like cheap mid-tier option. They've basically got free and they've got business and paid is business and it's priced accordingly. Like there's a price per month per user and it is it is fairly large. And so like I could never pay for the incomparable slack because one of the nice things about it is there's like 30 people in there. But there's no way I could pay the slack rate for it and yeah. have it be worth it. So that's a free one. And then I've got this paid one for six colors. That's that's me and uh, and Dan. And uh, we invited Greg Noss to be in there, who's our tech guy. And we're the only ones in there right now because that's a paid slack. Yeah, it looks like it varies from, you know, uh, eight bucks a month to 15 bucks a month per person, depending on which plan you're on. 
Right. And, and, you know, 200, even it doesn't seem like $250 or $300 a month is, is, is necessarily a lot for a mission critical business tool, but it's more than, um, I'm willing to spend on the incomparable in the podcasting business. It's a lot of money yeah, because that is not a, yeah, that's not the purpose of that Slack. But I think that's the brilliant thing about Slack's business model is that they've made it so that you can rely on Slack for stuff like that, because what they want is people to be comfortable with Slack so that then the people who are in businesses will pay for Slack. And uh, that's not a bad, it's not a bad model. It, it leads you to say, wait a second, I can do how much with the free version? Because you can really do a whole lot with the free version. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, they didn't want to, they wanted just people to use Slack and be comfortable with it. And then they figured they would make money from businesses who want extra features. And I think that's been very smart for them. Right. What are some of the other apps you've, you found yourself um, latching onto now with this new, new world of six colors and Jason, the indie writer? Well, it's um, it, it, it's not fashionable to like stock apps that come from Apple. And I know, David, you and I have talked about this with regard to um, to notes. Yeah, uh, I think you use notes more than I do, but I use notes for lists. I was just using notes today. I was asking. I have 800 now. 800 I, I was notes. asking. Yeah, you're asking on, for it. On my um, on, on the incomparable Slack. Actually, I was asking them for ideas for this uh, this survey I want to take and use in a, in a forthcoming podcast. And they're all just sending me their ideas in Slack and I am pasting them into a note in notes. So, you know, there notes and I would say reminders is my other, other than calendar items. Um, my other organizational tool is actually reminders. I have a reminders list called story list. And whenever I think of, Oh, that would be an interesting story. I should write sometime. I put it in the story list. Now, yeah, you mentioned you're so. doing a lot with with calendars. Are you still using Fantastical for that? Uh, I am using Fantastical too, and uh, and I, I I like it. I like being able to pop it open and uh, and uh, put in type very quickly uh, some item that I'm doing. So somebody says, "Can I talk to you?" Like I, like this episode of Mac Power Users. In fact, it was sort of like, "What about next Monday at three? And I just put Mac Power Users next Monday at three. And that was it. And I was I was done. So I definitely um, that's my window into my uh, my calendaring. The only thing I miss in Fantastical is the fact that it doesn't support some of the fancy features that Apple has recently added to calendar, like um, travel times. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can you can put locations in there, yeah. but none of the travel alert stuff. Uh, and the travel time display that's in calendar is not integral to the item. So it doesn't show up. If you, if I open calendar, I will see a travel time, but in fantastic it doesn't show up. And that's unfortunate. I, I hope they, uh, will find a way to do that because but, that, that's something I miss from calendar. I, I don't know. I, I, I can say that I've told them that I'm, I'm friends with those guys and I know that they are aware of it and. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I yeah, think it was that, you, Jason. Didn't you write an article for Mac? Or maybe not. Some Someone wrote an article, and I think it was about um, the, all the ways that you can fix your calendar app. And it was yeah. like, these are our wish lists. That was me. Yeah. That, that was, was you. Me. I thought and, it was you. Some, yeah. some of those some of those have been have been done. You know, this idea that the Apple Calendar app has, this idea that you've got uh, events in various places. Why are you not blocking off the time that takes to to get there from your previous location. Why why does it just sit there implying that you will teleport from one place to another? And that's a nice feature in calendar is that it, Look, it yeah. offers that. I, April I'm April of I'm, 2013. I, yeah, a long time ago. I, I'm just baffled by the fact that I'm using Apple Notes. I just I mean, I think when they announced it at WWC said, "Hey, we got an all new Apple Notes." I think I like snorted out loud. You know, I I can't imagine that I would ever use it. Now I'm using the damn thing every day. 
it's good. They finally made it good. I mean, that's the surprising thing about it is it was so um, sort of secondhand for so long. <laughs> it was just like, we don't care. It has to be here. It's just like stickies, basically. We don't, we, you know, it syncs via IMAP, which was, what a terrible idea. Yeah. And now it's like, we, we'll do it with iCloud and we're going to put like the pencil support in it for the iPad Pro. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's wild. It's wild. So um, they did a good job and it's, it's not perfect. It's really rudimentary in some ways, but it's everywhere and it does sort of everything you need it to do. And so, yeah. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago with a client and they started describing a relationship that we had to put into a contract. And so I pull out the pencil, I just add a handwritten note to their note in Apple notes and I start diagramming out and they freaked out. They're like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> you can do that now. You know, I think I sold two iPad pros that day. Um, uh, where are you doing your, so you said you're doing your writing BB edit, right? Is that where you're doing most of it now? But, most of it, but BB edit's not on the iPad right uh yeah so uh so uh and and scrivener i guess i'm also using on the mac for long form stuff like one of the things on my calendar is actually to take a couple hours a week and try to do novel revisions on one of the novels that i've written so that i can actually rewrite it and have it be better and maybe publish it someday um we we were on on scrivener by the way we we made some comments on the show that you know we didn't know if it will ever show up on the ipad and somebody sent that to the developer and then he wrote me and they're, they're actually very close now to releasing a beta. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he wrote a blog post about it. It's definitely going to happen. So that's, uh, that's exciting. And I'm looking forward to that because that's, I've actually talked to a bunch of writers who love Scrivener and have abandoned Scrivener specifically because they need something on their iPad. So I think they may get, hopefully they will get some people back. Yeah. From, I, went, I went to Ulysses largely because of yeah. that, you know, and, that's just it, we do a lot of work on our iPads these days. Yeah, it's true. So, um, for so for right now though, um, one writer is the app that I'm I'm largely using for for writing on the iPad, and it's not perfect, but it's got a uh, it's got a macro system that's I think JavaScript based, and there you can download some macros from the internet and paste them in, and they do some interesting things. And that was again a tip from Federico Vitici, but I'm using that. Uh, but I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open because there are so many different, uh, ones as we, as we talk editorial hasn't been updated really for the iPad pro. I'm hopeful that that will be happening soon. I was using editorial before and I may use it again, um, if it gets updated to support the iPad pro, but you really need an app on the iPad pro that supports it. That is going to not scale up the standard iPad size. And one writer does a, does a very good job. It's got some nice Dropbox integration, um, it's got syntax coloring and let me write markdown and all of those things. And, and so that is basically my number one writing tool on, on iPad at this point is one writer. Now, does that sync with BB edit via Dropbox or something or how yeah, it, it syncs to Dropbox basically. So if I want to, if I want to pull something off of my Dropbox, I can do that. If I want to save it back to Dropbox, I can do that. And then, um, a lot of the times I'll just write a piece. A lot of times I write my Macworld pieces on the iPad pro and then I won't even, I won't even bring it back to the Mac at that point. I'll save a copy to Dropbox just for posterity, basically, but I'll just share it out to Outlook um, and email it from Outlook on my iPad Pro and just as a file attachment to my editor at Macworld. And then I move on, which is pretty great, actually. Does one writer allow you to write your own JavaScript inside it or is it just using 
No, it's got a whole it's got the whole JavaScript uh, editor in there where you can you can build your own macros in there and have it bring up the user interface and all sorts of stuff like that. And I think that's really clever. It's not something that I've done a lot with it other than sort of pick up other people's macros and maybe make very basic changes in order to get it to be exactly what I want. But I really like that. I, you know, one of the things in, in using the iPad Pro more is I'm trying to um, rebuild the most important automation things that I have on my Mac. And uh, some of those are BB edit. Uh, features or scripts and uh, and uh, so I, I've used those too. You know, this is just one man's opinion, but I think JavaScript is going to become the lingua franca automation language between um, iPad and Mac. I just think, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a year or two from now a lot of apps that are on both platforms are going to be focused on JavaScript because it's the one that can carry over and then it gives you the same tools on either platform. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, it's not going to be Apple Script, right? As much no. as I know and like Apple Script, it's going to not be that. It's going to be some widely known language. And JavaScript seems like a pretty good candidate because people know it. And, you know, you're already seeing apps that are automated in it. And you have JavaScript already uh, as a as a peer to Apple Script in OS X. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be technologically impossible to have those same automation routines running on both platforms with maybe a little work. Mm-hmm. But the... Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I expect that's going to happen. If you're out there and you want to get good at automation, maybe it's a good time to bone up on JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, we mentioned the iPad Pro, but we didn't really get into it yet. Now, Katie, Katie, I'm not sure if we should let Katie talk because she she loves it so much. I think she bought three of them now. You have three of them now, Katie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so she might be too biased, but I want to hear about you and your iPad Pro uh, right after this next ad break. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox with a very special offer this month. As the name implies, SaneBox can bring sanity to your email. Now, there's several ways SaneBox does this. For instance, it looks at your inbox and auto-sorts the email for you, so you only see the most important when you look at it. SaneBox also has the ability to snooze your email, so you can push it back an hour, a day, or a week. It's up to you. But one of my favorite features, and the one I'd like to focus on today, is Sane Reminders. Now, have you ever had that problem where you send an email out to somebody and you need an answer back from them, but you don't really have a good way of tracking it? In that case, SaneBox has you covered. Using Sane Reminders, you can carbon copy or blind copy any email out to a specific period of time. For instance, if I wanted to send an email to Katie and I blind copied it to one week at SaneBox.com, SaneBox would then keep track of that email, and if she doesn't reply to me within a week, I get a follow-up. You can pick any time frame you want, like a day, a week, or even April 28th. I use this all the time, and I bet you would too. Just think about sales leads or people you're working on a project with. This can save your bacon every time, and it makes you look like you're wicked on top of things because you get those reminders and you can follow up. For years, I've been trying to solve this problem, and Sane Reminders does it perfectly. I just recently received an email from the folks at SaneBox, and they love the Mac Power users, and that's because they have a 75% sign-up rate. That's right, for every one of the Mac Power users that tries it with our offer code, 75% sign-up. They can't figure out why it's so popular, and I can tell them. It's because it's an awesome service, and our listeners are smart, productive people. Now, I decided to try and leverage this for you. So I sent them a note and said, since the Mac Power users are such great subscribers, what can they do for you? The team at SaneBox came up with a great idea. 
For the next month, anyone who tries SaneBox and signs up is going to get $25 off their subscription. Now, that's the biggest discount they've ever offered anywhere. It's only good for a month, but if you get in there and try SaneBox and you end up signing up, you're going to get $25 off. And that's because you're listening to the Mac Power users. So if you want to take advantage of this, head over to SaneBox.com MPU. Once again, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com MPU. In addition to this generous discount, you're also going to take control of your email. And trust me, it's worth it. Thank you, SaneBox, for sponsoring the Mac Power users. So the iPad Pro, everybody's new fancy. Everybody loves it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dave, Dave and I actually talked quite a bit about the iPad Pro on the last MPU Live. And um, spoiler alert for those of you who are, are curious, I did, in fact, send mine back. So I had an iPad Pro for 14 days. I tried it. I understand what some of the hype was about with it, but ultimately it just was not the best tool for me. Uh, it was a good tool, but it was not the best tool for me. But I see a lot of the appeal in it. I, I do see that the iPad Pro, uh, one of the things that surprised me about the iPad Pro is, is I had about three specific use cases that I was evaluating it for. And, and one of the use cases where the iPad Pro scored pretty high marks for me was it could potentially be a laptop replacement for me one day. I mean, my setup, Jason, is a little different from yours. Uh, I've got a, a a fairly new iPad Air that I have connected to a 24-inch cinema display, which is obviously both of these are non-retina devices. So I'm, you know, we're kind of between generations, you know, what's going on? Are we going to get a, a retina cinema display of some kind? And I'm debating about, you know, maybe my next big machine will be uh, that 27-inch 5K iMac because I'm I'm really ready to go retina, but I, I want a big screen too. So I was looking to see, could the iPad Pro basically become a laptop replacement? And that's where, where it scored well for me. So tell me a little bit about uh, how, how the iPad Pro fits into your life, because I know you've got this 27-inch uh, iMac. Yeah, as somebody who used to be a laptop person, and that was my, my, my MacBook Air was my system for a long time. And before that, a, a MacBook, a regular old MacBook. And I had an external monitor at, at Macworld, and I would plug in every day and use it uh, plugged in, lid closed. And then I would uh, come home with it and use it at home just as the laptop. And uh, now I have this 5K iMac, and so I don't do that anymore. And and so the way it's just worked out, because the 11-inch Air is right behind me, it's not like it isn't here anymore, and it's a great system, but the way it's sort of worked out is that I uh, I work in this office using the Mac, and then when I go into the rest of the house, I am in a different context, and I, I don't usually pick up the iPad I leave the I leave the MacBook Air out here and instead I pick up the iPad Pro and I have a little uh, uh, stand and uh, Bluetooth keyboard that I will stand oftentimes at the um, at the bar in my kitchen and I will write there. I'll belly up to the bar and write articles there. Um, but I'll also sit on the couch and do some reading if I'm reading some articles that I, I'm, you know, have flagged as being interesting or I will uh, in the warmer months, I will go in the backyard and do that and uh, or I'll sit on the couch and uh yeah it's it's uh and and uh that's what i find myself doing much more than in the past a lot of those things would have been just sort of picking up from my mac and continuing my mac approach on a laptop in the rest of the house and that doesn't happen now so it's much more of a mode switch where it's just it's a different kind of device doing different things and it's not like i can't do work on it because i can and i do but it's not 
the Mac at that point. It's 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 a different experience, and I'm really liking that. And that that's what I like the iPad Pro for. Has but. the laptop basically become a, a travel machine? Because there are times when you very clearly need a laptop. You know, as, as podcasters famously, mm. it's very difficult. If I mean, it's not impossible, but it is difficult to um, record and edit a, a podcast still on an on an iPad. It, has your laptop pretty much just been relegated to a? When I go out of town, I take this device. Yes. Um, occasionally, if I have to present somewhere, if I like, I'm going to the the uh, Mac uh, the uh, the Yosemite conference in a in a week, and the, I have to give a presentation, and I will probably give that on my MacBook Air because it's easier to present from. It's just I could probably do it on the iPad, but Andy Anako did that last year, and it was a mess and it was it was fraught with some technical problems and i you know a, a, a keynote presentation that's going to be easy i'll do that on the mac that'll be fine but largely yes i i uh, i try to uh use the ipad pro most in most contexts and the macbook air only really comes out when there's something i can't do on the ipad pro so i need to bring it and then i usually don't use it other than those things and podcast recording not editing so much actually anymore but podcast recording is still a problem i was thinking today that I, my my solution to that might be to bring i have a i have a recorder like a a compact like a zoom uh, yeah yeah it's a, a zoom recorder that i can attach to a good microphone and just record my microphone and and do a podcast that way while I'm just talking on Skype using my iPad or my iPhone. Uh, so that basically might be, a, a two device solution. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, right now, that's what is required. You can't do it on one device. And uh, if it's an iOS device and for that, the the Mac comes back around. But it's a great uh, you know, it's a great system. The that MacBook Air, I've got the i7. It's it's really amazing. Um, but I, I try not to use it because uh, for whatever reason, it's sort of like I, I don't feel like I need to in the in the context of roaming around and we we talked about this on a recent episode of clockwise you know team ipad team mac or team both and Mm -hmm. the um it's really true i mean if you've got the ability to have both of them there you shouldn't feel bad about it (laughs) you know i mean just use the one that works or whatever you're doing right um but but you're also a keyboard guy i know you're kind of finicky about your keyboard so when you said yeah i use a bluetooth keyboard with it um which one are you using you know, I'm not I don't want to sell myself as a, as a keyboard guy because I am not one of those. There are people in this sphere who are serious keyboard people. Yeah. I am not one of those people. Um, I I uh, with the iPad Pro now, I lately have been using the um, Apple Magic keyboard, the new one. Yeah, uh, I, because I've got a, a stand I'm trying out that is a product that isn't hasn't been released yet, but um is sort of in testing that I'm, I'm trying out that's sort of a, com- a stand and you put the keyboard in it and it's very nice. Um, I, I've used the old in-case origami workstation uh, case with the old Apple wireless sure. keyboard. That was a nice and case. Worked, yeah. And it was a nice case. It still works on the iPad Pro. They just don't make it anymore and they don't make that keyboard anymore. So it's sort of, you've missed your window there. Um, I've used the Logitech Easy Switch with it, which is a perfectly nice keyboard. Um, so, you know, any Bluetooth, I actually, in fact, I would say don't buy... I think the um, I wouldn't recommend most people buy the keyboard uh, cover from Apple because I think most people don't need that. Most people don't need to carry a kind of lumpy, heavy cover with them everywhere they go and then occasionally fold it open. If you're somebody who like literally everywhere you go, you are flipping it open and using a keyboard, then yeah, you should take it. It's perfect for that. But I think most people probably are more like me where sometimes they want to have a keyboard and they have a bag or something and they can just pull a keyboard out of the bag 
and use it instead. And uh, so that's what I do. I'm, you know, those finicky keyboard guys. I'm the exact opposite. I've come to realize I have no standards whatsoever and I will type on anything. <laughs> and um, I, So I did get the Apple keyboard cover. And you know, the, the problem with it is it's not a very good cover because it's super thick and heavy. And I mean, relatively speaking, and yeah. it's missing a row of keys. That's the thing that kills me about it is you can't control the brightness or play or pause the music um, when you're using it because those keys are gone. So it's a compromised keyboard and a compromised cover. Yeah, I just I, and and so unless you really need to, a two in one and there are use cases if you're if you're out and about with your iPad Pro all the time and you need to type with it all the time and and the idea of having a taking a keyboard out of your bag in order to set up and use it is, is just impossible, then it's the product for you. But I, I just think for most people, um I don't see why I, it would be better to get a good cover and a good keyboard, you know, and, and it, yeah, it feels okay. You can type on it. It's the missing keys that kind of baffle me. I I, I hope they update the uh, keyboard software so that you can like hit a function, you know, hit, hit that little globe button in the bottom left-hand corner and like use the number keys as function keys or something to adjust the brightness and the volume and stuff. Cause you're losing functionality that every other keyboard on the iPad has by using that uh, keyboard. Cause it's missing that row. Now, and all that the- being said, it's been perfectly fine for me. I mean, honestly, I just, <laughs> I just, I have a little slip. I put it in like a little slip case. So I'll, the cover on it, and I just throw that in my bag with the cover on it. Mm-hmm. And then if I want to use it with a keyboard, I leave the cover on. If I don't want to use a keyboard, I just take it off and use it just, you know, with the glass. Yeah. Well, you have to do that. I, I, I made the mistake of doing what I do with the normal Apple smart covers, which is leave it on. Yeah, and then I work. realized, Oh, this is too much. I just got to, every time I used it, I would just pull the keyboard cover off and yeah. just like away, get away you. And I just decided in the end that I, I would rather, I, I had no scenario where I needed a cover with a keyboard in it on my device all the time. So I, that's, and it's more expensive. So it's like, you know, you're paying for that convenience yeah. of having it there. So you better use it that way. So it sounds like you use it that way, which yeah, is I do, I do all the time. And, but, you know, I also find that I've been typing on the glass, which I've never, you know, mm-hmm. I never even tried that on the, um, the, the prior iPads. I could type usually holding a portrait with my thumbs. But actually typing on the glass, I'm a touch typist, would never work because the keyboards were too small and it would just make me crazy. Um, but with this thing, you can do it and pretty reliably. And uh, that that's kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, it's a full size keyboard. And I, there are a lot of things I like about it. Um, I can really get going on typing words on it. The problem I have with it is like like that top row, the numbers and the delete key are those half height buttons. Yeah. Yeah. And I mistype the delete key all the almost every time so as and, long as you don't make a mistake you're fine yeah yeah exactly turn on autocorrect and hope for the best so um i hope they actually could adjust that in some way i'd like those to be a little bit bigger or a little bit more forgiving if i if i miss them because right now um i don't i don't really find generally typing on the ipad pro to be comfortable um any more comfortable and sometimes I feel less comfortable. I feel like I make maybe make more mistakes on it than I did on the old iPad keyboard because I, I like I said, I keep hitting the delete key, expecting it to to sort of be like I expect a delete key to be, and I miss. I just always am missing. It's not good. Right. Have you ever tried uh, much dictation like Siri dictation or Dragon or any of those things? I go back and forth on it. It's it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but there are moments where I feel like. I, I I get into it where I'm replying to tweets or something. It's just like, why am I even trying to type here? Like on my iPhone, especially because I have that. Uh, sometimes I'm just 
frustrated by how many mistakes I'm making typing on my iPhone. And I realize, why am I not just talking into this thing? Nobody's around. I can just talk into it. It usually does a pretty good job. Uh, I need to get more in the habit of that, actually, because in a lot of cases, dictation is the right answer, um, not for writing big articles, maybe, but for little things. And the dictation's really good. Like, it's really surprisingly good at how uh, it figures out from context what words you mean. Yeah. I know I that you've experimented with the pencil um, qu- some, but from a day-to-day perspective, are you still using it? No. No, but as listeners to Upgrade will know, I am not a I'm not a writing implements person. My co-host Mike is a you know co-host of the Pen Attic podcast. Loves writing instruments. He is very excited about about the Apple Pencil. Serenity Caldwell loves the Apple Pencil. I I don't care about it. it pencils to me, like the joy of using a computer is that I I never have to use a pencil or a pen ever again. So I don't I don't really see a lot of value in it every now and then I you know, I I have played I have one and I played around with it some because I feel like I need to know like, you know, and I can see the appeal for people who who find the uh, the uh, writing implement like that to be comfortable. But for me, I would much rather type or speak or do just about anything else. My handwriting is terrible. I can't draw. It's never been my relationship with with, uh, you know, pens and pencils has never been a positive one. So it's not it's not a selling point for me. My my use case of the pencil is probably an outlander, but um, I um I use it all the time to review, you know, because I'm a lawyer. I look at contracts and stuff all the time. Usually they're PDFs. A lot of times they're not OCR. And I, I just like to use a pencil to go through and mark it up and then mm-hmm. send it back to the client. I'll tell you, I would do that if I if I was giving like manuscripts or something where I was um, essentially reading and noting, I might actually use the pencil for that. I don't generally do that anymore because I'm not editing other people's manuscripts like I like I once did. But uh, that actually sounds great. I would love to do that because that's something that is actually doesn't translate well to digital. Like the idea that you're selecting some text and then pressing a button and a little box comes up and you type a little note in it. Yeah. Um, I, I would really rather kind of circle something and and just scribble a note in the margins. Katie, did you find any use for the pencil in your brief uh, experiment with the iPad Pro? Yeah, no, I had a pencil. I did not like the pencil for long form handwriting at all. I mean, that's just I don't do a lot of long form handwriting. I think I mentioned that, you know, I have some nerve damage in my hand and it's just not comfortable. But for small annotations, um, you know, like marking up PDFs, which, as you and I do, David, is, is quite often uh I liked it for that. So is it something that I would use every day? No. Is it something that I would use maybe once a week or twice a week? Probably. It's definitely something I would use several times a month. It's something I'd like to have in my bag. So uh, it, now you're looking at the iPad Pro thing as an experiment, or have you just fallen into this workflow where you prefer it over the MacBook Air? Uh, well, I'm fortunate to be one of those people who gets review units often from Apple. So I, I had an iPad Pro from when it came out from Apple, and I used that, uh, and it got toward the end of December, and my wife said, well, you know, are we going to – are we going to um, – basically, we have a corporation that uh, – you know, you want to spend money by the end of the year because otherwise you have to pay it to yourself or you have to pay taxes on it and then pay taxes again on it. And it's a whole thing. Right. So it's like the end of the year. It's like, you know, if you want to buy stuff, now is a good time to buy it. And 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 so on December, I don't know when it was December 
14th or something like that, I was saying, you know, I'm thinking that this iPad Pro is pretty great. I might actually want to get one. She said, we'll get it by the end of the year. And I just went on and ordered it and got it right then. Um, so I, my point is I got to use it for a while before I decided I wanted to buy one. And I decided fairly quickly that I did want to buy one. So it, it, I didn't have the trial when I bought it. The trial was when I was reviewing it. And then I got to the end of the review and I kept using it. And then I bought one. So it, I was, I was sold at that point. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure 14 days was enough. I, I've had a lot of people tell me that you, they really needed more time before they really found a place for it. I, I don't know. Maybe Apple would consider, and I bought mine from a third party. I didn't buy mine from Apple, so I was stuck with their return policy. But it might be something that Apple considers in the future, you know, lengthening that period of time if they're finding that this isn't a device that people are quite getting. Well, and I also think in Katie's case, you were, you're interested in possibly the smaller the size next one iPad that's Pro. Coming. Yeah. yeah. So, Jason, one question I did have for you is since you have really adjusted your workflow from, you know, pretty much Mac to Mac to now Mac to, to iPad. Have, have you found that that has changed the, the apps that you're using, that you're now using different apps because they're specifically supported on iOS or because they're supported on iOS 9 or because they have iPad Pro support? Have, have you changed the types of tools that you're using specifically because of the iPad? Uh, well, in some cases, so like, um, I am less inclined to throw things in Google Docs or spreadsheets than I used to be. And I still have things in there that I rely on that I cannot get out of. But um, Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, uh, or Google Sheets, those apps haven't been updated for the iPad Pro. And so I and, and they're not they don't really work that well on the iPad in general. Um, and so I'm reluctant to use them now. I, and, and it makes me sad because I do have things that I rely on that are in Google Docs and that I, it would be kind of a pain to move out of there. But I don't start new things if I'm intending to go to the iPad that in, in a Google Doc or a Google, Google spreadsheet because I it's not it's not a good experience. So instead, I will do, um, you know, I, I use I rely on Dropbox. Um, I have I'm an I, I have a an office uh, subscription. And so I have the Microsoft Office apps on my iPad, which are really good. And I will sometimes do stuff like with with spreadsheet stuff. I will sometimes do that in Excel so that I can open those in Excel on the iPad because Excel on the iPad is great. And so th there's a little bit of that. Um, since I write mostly in Markdown, uh, text editors are t are fine if they know Markdown. And, and so that's an example where one writer works for me. I don't need... I don't need a BB edit replacement on both platforms because BB edit's still great on the Mac. And there are plenty of other apps that will open those same documents on the iPad. So uh, it does definitely makes a, a difference. If you, if you sync across like reminders and notes do uh, that certainly makes it easier. And like I, like I said, and like David mentioned uh, if Scrivener can do a really good iPad version that will make me uh, very happy because one of the things that I always find myself wishing I could do when I'm out and about or even just in other parts of the house is being able to do some novel work and I can't because the Scrivener documents are where all of my novels are and they're uh, they're not there are workarounds but basically it's not going to happen unless I'm sitting at my Mac yeah well, it is an interesting device. And like one of the things we haven't really mentioned, this, the screen is really gorgeous. And that's one of the reasons I, why I like using the Microsoft suite there, because 
it's it's a better screen than my laptop. Yeah, well that that's that's true. I mean, I have the 11 inch Air, and I, I was uh, when I was visiting my mom in Arizona, I had the I had the I had to record a podcast, so I had the 11 inch Air with me, and I had the iPad Pro with me. And at one point, I had them both open, and I I just laughed because the iPad Pro screen is bigger and better than the iPad or than the, the the MacBook Air screen. It's not even close. So yeah, it's it's a it's much more pleasurable to to use that screen i should mention because uh, i just I, I mentioned it earlier but i want to throw it out there again that uh, when i talk about podcasting there is this app called ferrite recording studio f-e-r-r-i-t-e that um from wooji juice is the name of the developer and it is a uh, multi-track audio editor it's great and i have edited numerous podcasts on the ipad pro and it works incredibly well and if you told me that I could never use Logic again and I only had to use Ferrite and edit all of my podcasts on the iPad Pro, my response would be, okay. It, and in fact, for people who have an iPad uh, iPad Air 2, basically, or, a, or an iPad Pro, uh, I, I had this at, a, at a, a sci-fi convention that I went to recently where I was talking to a podcaster who was thinking of upping their game from using either GarageBand or Audacity. And they said, you know, I'd like to use um logic but it's 200 bucks and i don't have that in my budget and i and i had that moment of realization of like you know ferrite costs 20 dollars all in it's free but it's got two in-app purchases to unlock all of its features that total 20 dollars. and you know it does everything i need logic to do to edit podcasts and it's 20 dollars. so for some people if they've got an ipad it might actually be much more economical to buy ferrite and edit all their podcasts on the ipad instead of using a mac with logic do you think at some point, I mean, because somebody in Apple has to realize this problem and it's not just a podcaster problem. I think it's a music production problem. Uh, I mean, the issue why we can't record podcasts on these things is, you know, getting an input from the mic plus recording plus communication usually is more than the iPad can do at once. Yeah. Somebody at Apple must be taking notes. Well, I mean, there's an API for that. You can fix that right now. The problem is, is that the, the tools that we use right now, I mean, Skype doesn't support it. It's my understanding, right? right? Right. You right now, the way it works is that Skype would have to support um, oh, what's it called? It's the they added it to GarageBand. I can't remember the name of it now, but it, it's basically a system where you can send audio to another app and Skype would have to support that. And Skype's never going to support that, probably. Um, and the difference between that and the Mac is on the Mac, the system will let you capture the audio from an app and the uh, the app doesn't need to care that it's happening. Um and then you can do audio hijack, right? And the iOS is locked down and you can't do that. And my hope is that at some point that's going to happen, that they're going to look at this and it's early yet, right? I mean, in some ways they didn't really focus on pro features and iPad features on iOS until uh, this last last version. So it'll be interesting to see if they add more pro features intended for the iPad Pro in iOS 10. And this would be a great one, a more sophisticated audio uh, support on the iPad would be great for a lot of reasons. I'm sure musicians would be happy about it and podcasters certainly would be happy about it. If you had the ability to, for example, arbitrarily capture the audio from one app and another app or have two apps, both attached to the microphone simultaneously. And so you could run Skype and you could run, I mean, I don't even need to capture Skype audio necessarily. Yeah, I just exactly. want to be able to record my own microphone while I'm also talking on Skype and iOS just, you know, iOS won't even, it tries hard not to play audio from two apps at once. So if you start, uh, if you open the camera with live photos turned on and you're playing music or podcasts, they stop 
because yeah. it's like too many things for iOS to do. And that needs to change. It really just it needs to be more sophisticated. And hopefully it will soon. Well, you know, just the whole idea of multiple items is a problem on iOS right now. That's I mean, if you're listening to this going, oh, maybe I want to use the iPad. Well, I, I had to do uh, I was using the iPad Pro this morning to send uh, some documents to somebody. And I was accessing them on Dropbox. Now on the Mac, you could open Dropbox, you could select six documents and you could dra- drag them into the email and send it. And that'd be that on. That's not the case on iOS and in Apple mail, you, you hold down to add an attachment. Then you go to Dropbox and you drill to that folder, which is like five folders down in this case. And you pick one and then you go do the whole thing over again, five more times. Yeah. There's yeah. stuff like that that just still needs yeah. work. Yeah, and there there are workarounds, right? But it's it's things that probably shouldn't be require workarounds yes. at some point. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like you said, it's early days and it, and there is some really great stuff about this device. And it's, I don't know, I find it just exciting. Now, you and I are of the same age that we were there when we left the command line to the graphical user interface. And that was exciting. And now we're dealing with this whole new interface and and it the the operating system is maturing and things are happening and uh, one of the reasons why I find myself using the iPad Pro so much is I just, as a nerd, find it fascinating to see how how things are changing. Yep, I agree. Um, I want to talk about uh, how we, we've talked a lot about the iPad, but, you know, since you're working from home so much, um, does the iPhone and the Apple Watch matter to you anymore? Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But let's hear from our next sponsor and talk about that next. This episode of Mac Power Uses brought to you by Linode. Linode is a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. This makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month. You'll be able to choose your resources, Linux distro, and node location right from within the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Linode servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest you can get in the cloud market, and they have access to a 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. They have an API that will allow you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. Best of all, Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backup and node balancers. This means you'll never get a surprise bill. Linode has over 4,000 customers who are serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. They're even open over holidays. Linode is committed to keeping up their infrastructure. For example, they've recently switched from Zen to KVM, and their latest Unix benchmark showed a 300% performance increase. So why should you use Linode? Well, it's great for tasks like running a private Git server, hosting a large database, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, and so much more. In fact, I bet you wouldn't be surprised to know that many of your favorite websites are up and running right now on Linode. As a listener of this show, you can sign up at linode.com slash MPU, and you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. So head on over to linode.com slash MPU, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash MPU, to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or just use the promo code MPU20 at checkout. That's MPU20 at checkout. Thanks so much to Linode for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. 
so Jason, how does mobile tech fit in at this point? Well, we had a, we had a, I'm not sure if you were on that one or maybe Katie was on that one. I don't know. Um, we did a clockwise question that was, which, what would you give up? Like your Mac, your iPad or your, uh, yeah, that was uh, or, or your phone. Was that you? That's rough, man. And <laughs> I, I said, I would, I, I, which one, if you had to have one of them, you do give away. I totally give away my iPhone. And that's because I don't I don't go out much. And and um, if I had to use an Android phone or just use a dumb phone or something like that, I would deal. Uh, But that's because of specifically sort of like the way my life is led right now. I don't have a lot of moments. And for some people, it is completely the reverse, where most of their time when they're they're out and about or when they need it is when they're out and about, when they need to attach to the Internet and it works for them. For me, yeah, I'm at my desk. I'm in my house. I've got my Mac. I've got my iPad. My phone is my podcast device, basically, and because when I'm going for a walk or something like that, I'll listen to podcasts. I'm walking the dog. Sure. But um, it's not uh, it, it, my phone is not the center of my my digital life at all. I do have uh, an Apple watch and I wear it every day and I like it and I get my notifications on it and it tells me the time and it's fine. But um, but in terms of like the phone, you know, it's I love my iPhone. It's great. It, I, it's around. I wouldn't you know, I'm not trying to get rid of it, but it's not essential to my life in the way that it is to my daughter's life. Let's say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense with the way you, you know, you work from home, so you yeah. don't need it as much. You're not yeah, on the, I mean, you're not on transit anymore. You're, I don't think this is a common thing, but yeah, no, exactly right. When I was riding the bus every day, um, the phone was, uh, was more important and walking to and from the bus. It was much more important in my life than it is, uh, than it is right now, just because that's, that's one of the oddities of, of being a, a work from home person is that, that, that it's just not. I've got my, I'm not on the go very much, honestly. It's that simple. When you asked me that question, I said the iPad. Begrudgingly, but Mm -hmm. I said the iPad. Yeah, I think for most people, that would probably be the answer. Yeah, I think you're the outlier there. I I, I don't think many people would give up their iPhone. What a terrible question, though. Man, that's rough. You know, (laughs) hey, you know, they're... You got to come up with a topic every week if you're hosting clockwise. Some of them come to you and you're like, oh, that's evil. Let's ask that question. See what people say. <laughs> so are you using your Apple Watch still day to day? I know there, there's been a lot of talk about what is the future of that? Has it has it been a disappointment? You know, is it so slow that it's not really particularly valuable? I mean, there I, I see new people. You know, I was at a baby shower this past weekend um, and my aunt came up to me and the first thing she did is she flashed me her Apple watch and said, look, look what I got. Now you have to show me how to use it. So I see people every day with them and, and getting new ones. So I think it's still a hot product out there, but, um, it seems like some of the geeks may have abandoned them a bit. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a big part of it is that there's definitely been some, some geek rejection of the Apple watch and for good reasons, the, um, it's, 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 they tried to do too much. I think if I if I had to write a um, a retrospective on like what what were the problems with the Apple Watch, it would all be like you go back to September 9th of twenty fourteen, which was my last full day at IDG. By the way, the day that they launched the Apple Watch, <laughs> the faded day. It. it was the last day. <laughs> it was just uh, a bad day, maybe. <laughs> it was yeah yeah um, that one, that day wasn't so bad. It was the next day that was the worst day, um, but. It was, um, if you look at that event, you go back and watch it and it is the most unfocused thing you will ever see 
it what is the it was not uh, worse than the know, apple music demo well the apple music demo was pretty bad but I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of an apple hardware product you have this discipline i felt like from steve jobs and and, and in his era that was like what, what what does this product do and and like the iphone even could be which was the a transformative technology product maybe the transformative product that the computer industry will ever generate in our lifetimes uh, the smartphone as we know it today huge point in human history i really think that started on that moment but in the end how did they boil it down it was like well it's an internet communicator and a music player and uh and a video player or something like that right it was just like that was that was it that was like it does three things they, and it's all the same device are you getting it but that was it whereas with the apple watch the demo was like what doesn't it do it does everything it's going to have hundreds of apps and that is i think the fatal flaw of the Apple Watch is that it tries to do too much and it does not a lot of it very well. And they would have been way better off having it be simple and do a few things really well. And yeah, there's this app platform, but the apps are slow. And now you've got custom complications on the face, but they don't update on a regular basis. And when you tap on them to launch an app, the apps sometimes never launch and other times it takes forever to launch. And it's just, yes, it is too slow, but I think underlying all of it is just the fact that it. Uh, they they tried to do too much with it. And I'm really hopeful that now that they've been out with it for a year, that when they get uh, to watch OS three, that there's a real rethink. And I think that's going to be for me, that's the make or break uh, of the Apple Watch is are they doubling down on the mistakes they made with the first model or do they realize the mistakes they made with the first model and are going to try and fix them uh, with the with a new software update, regardless of what they do with the hardware? Are they going to try it? Because it's just it's too complicated. The app launcher is a bad idea. There's just a lot of things that they they need to throw away and start again. And um, I use it every day. And I for the things that I use it for, I like it. I, I have stopped trying to do a lot of things that I had hoped I could do with it because they don't work. And I think that the, 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 the people who have rejected it and said it's a failure, I'm not wearing it anymore, I'm getting rid of it. I think they were hanging their hopes on those things to be the reason that they'd want it. And maybe because I used a pebble for two or three years, I was really my, my expectations were a lot lower. <laughs> like, can it tell the time? It's number one. And it does. And I like how it looks. And uh, then it gives me my notifications on my wrist. And uh, yeah, so that's fine. Well, I, I feel like the, the 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 native stuff is is good. I mean, the that I use the fitness rings, I the notifications, yeah, that all that stuff works, works fine. Yeah, but the third party apps have all sent. I the other day, I I try. You know, we were talking about Fantastic Cal. I, I really like it. I said, well, I'm going to try and use their their complication. And I was looking at my watch, and there was no uh, there was no. Uh, I knew I had an appointment in an hour, but it wasn't listing as my next appointment on my watch. Because, you know, the way the app platform works, Fantastic Owl hadn't been able to go pull the data off the phone, whatever. And, you know, using a third party app could have cost me to miss an appointment. And that's just not acceptable. The only third party app I would recommend really is um, that I use every day is the drafts one because it's so simple. You press a button and you speak a command and then it's saved to drafts. And like if you're walking or whatever and something occurs to you, it's a very quick way to add a draft. But most stuff that does anything complicated at all, it becomes very difficult to to sustain with that processor and that software and the combination of all of that stuff. Yeah, I've gone through my phone and turned almost all of my third-party apps off, except for the ones that I'm specifically using for, for a few complications, be, because I'm never using them on the watch. I'll, I'll use them on the phone and then get the notification from the phone on my wrist, because that's basically what it is. It's a, it's a notification 
I mean, it's the, those are the three things you've both touched on them. It's a watch. It's your notifications on your wrist and it's a fitness tracker. And I think really anything else is, you know, iffy at this point. But all that being said, I don't have the animosity towards it that I'm reading. I mean, a lot of people seem like they're really kind of mad. About no, it. I mean, yeah. those those three things are great for me. Those three things are worth putting the Apple Watch on every day for. I mean, if they had sold it for those three things, I still would have bought it and been very happy with it. I think the fact that they oversold it for more than those three things is is what's causing the unhappiness. Yeah, I also like the bands. Now I've got three, so I'm switching them all the time. Okay. Um, well, uh, Jason, what about, we, so we've talked about your tech a little bit. Uh, what about um, just the fact that you're now working for yourself? You no longer, you've no longer got the man cracking the whip for you. You know, um, how do you keep yourself motivated, you know, hitting strict deadlines and you know, keeping everything rolling? Is this the hippie stuff you were talking about? Well, some of the hippie stuff. I got some more tech too, but uh, this was one that I, I am actually really interested in hearing. This was actually a question from someone on Twitter, and I thought it was a good one. Um, I think this the answer to this question is there are some people who should not be independent and left to their own devices because they require strict deadlines from the man and they can't work. And and again, I don't think that's a personal failing. I think different people have different ways of working and different ways of motivating themselves. But if you're somebody who needs to uh, have the deadlines from the man in order to keep working, this is probably not the life for you. I've never been one of those people. So it's not a problem for me. It's, I, I, and so that's a non-answer answer, but that's my answer is I've always been very motivated to do the stuff for me. You know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a, a Hamilton reference here because I do that in every podcast now, okay. but it's like there's that's a million thing in our house too now. Th- there's a million things I haven't done. Right. And, and on one level, that's kind of trite because the, the number of things you choose not to do or you can't do vastly outnumbers the things you're actually able to do. But I find that kind of valuable, that, that idea that you have all of these choices of things you could do and then you have to pick from them. And I, that is how sort of how I approach it is like, what am I going to do next? And what, do, you know, how am I going to get that thing done? And so I'm, I motivate myself. I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think for me, it's more the other problem of like, how do you um, how do you turn it off so that you give yourself some space to to breathe and to live your life and to see your family and to have a good time outside of work? That for me is something that I, I feel like I'm doing OK on that front. But that's more of my concern. A lot of the time is is, you know, how do I tell myself it's OK uh, to stop now, even though I've got a lot of work to do, I've always got a lot of work to do and I need to take a break and, you know, close, shut down the iMac and close the door to the garage and go back out and be with my family or, or, and this is a weird one that I had not expected before. I'm feeling kind of sick. I'm going to go inside and lay down. And I, you know, that is a calculation that I used to make based on my job and my commute. And now I need to just make that determination myself. Like I have to tap myself on the shoulder and say, you're not, um, your head's not in the game. You're feeling ill. You need to take a rest, you know, go home basically, even though I am home. All right. And I have more, uh, I have more of these hippie questions for you. And also the age old question of whether or not you wear pants while you write. But we want to take a minute to talk, uh, listen here for, to our uh, last sponsor, then let's get get deeper on the hippie stuff. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover. Quite simply, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. Hover is my registrar of choice, and it has been for years. I know how hard it can be to come up with the perfect name for your next project, 
So once you figure it out, why should it be so difficult to register the domain? Hover provides a simple, fast, and hassle-free method of buying domain names, and this is why I love them. When it comes to buying a domain, I don't want to be faced with a bunch of add-ons and tricks to get me to spend more money. I just want to buy the domain, and I want it to be done right, and that's what Hover excels at. They don't try and trick you into buying extra things. They just give you a great service for a great price. Using Hover, it's really easy to search for domains. Enter a phrase you want or some keywords and Hover will find the best matches for you and show you a list of all of the TLDs available. Hover has all of the standards like .com, .org, or .co, but they also have some of those crazy new ones like .coffee or .plumbing. Everything is reasonably priced. You can get a .com domain for $12.99 and that's before the discount I'm going to share with you at the end of this ad. Hover also has fantastic customer support. They have a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. Hover makes it super easy to buy domains from them, and they also make it easy to transfer existing domains. Hover has an awesome new feature called Hover Connect, and this makes it easier than ever to get your new domain connected with your website. From the domain administration panel, you select which service you use, including Squarespace, Tumblr, Shopify, and many more, and Hover will automatically amend all of your DNS records for you. If you already have your domain somewhere else, Hover has you covered for that as well. Hover's valet service takes all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider over to Hover, and it's free, whether you have 10 domains or 200. I use this for switching the Max Sparky domain over to Hover, and they made it completely stress-free. There's so much more great stuff with Hover, like volume discounts for bulk domains, custom email address, storage and forwarding, and a lot more. So head over to Hover.com and try it out. Use the offer code WORKFLOW, that's W-O-R-K-F-L-O-W, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Once again, that discount code is WORKFLOW at Hover.com. Thanks again to Hover for sponsoring this episode. You know, when you're talking about getting sick, I, I totally get that. I got kind of ill last year i didn't expect to in fact it happened like within days of me quitting my yeah. longtime job <laughs> it's perfect it's perfect i remember thinking great i've got like cancer or something and i don't have any any money uh but but your I, law firm was keeping you alive yeah exactly <laughs> they pulled the plug as soon as i left but the um it, it is it is a strange switch when you make that and you discover those things which you kind of know intellectually but you don't understand until you feel it and also, I, I would add to the, you know, the whole thing about working for the man. Um, I still see the mortgage statement coming every month and I still have these other people that I need to, to make sure are fed and clothed and have tuition paid and all those things. So I have plenty of motivation. I don't need the man. I, I give it to myself yeah. enough. And I suspect you're the same way. <laughs> Bills are a great motivation, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so what is the the best thing about this new life that you've had now being a year in? Um, I mean, the, the simplified answer would be the best thing about it is I get to do what I want to do instead of what I, what I hate to do. Cause my job got, at IDG, my job got progressively more about management and budgets and, and, and then simultaneously that business was going through so much turmoil that it became about layoffs and um, new intrusive advertising units and things like that. And so my job became arguing with my boss and the um and the advertising people about 
uh, tricks they were trying to pull that I thought that that were going to devalue our our uh, editorial content. So, so we're not going to see any auto playing video at six colors anytime no, soon. No, <laughs> that will not happen. Ever. <laughs> Good to know. Um, and oh my god, you know, I the autoplay stuff. Just everybody from MacWorld uh, from back then who has left is, uh, and actually I think the people who are there still too, but they won't talk about it as much, are scarred by that because it was just the worst. And and the, the real shame of it is that I, I spent months and months and months um, fighting this this battle to get it turned off. And I finally got my boss to relent and turn it off. And like a month later, he was replaced by a new boss who immediately said, turn it back on. It's like, wow, you know, talk about dispiriting. So I did yeah. a lot of that Lay, and laying people off, laying people who've been working, laying people off who've been working for a company for a decade or more. Not fun. Let me tell you, not a pleasant thing. And we had to lay off a lot of people. It was awful. So um, the simple answer is I don't do that stuff anymore. I, I'm back to doing the things that I got into this field to do which is learn about new technology and write stories and make websites and uh, do podcasts and make things and i found during my time at idg that um a lot of my self-worth as a uh, as a professional is in creating new things and when you're a manager although you're although you're working hard and you're doing important work to keep your organization functional um if you don't keep score that way it feels like you have failed and not done anything. And that is where I ended up in my job is the way I kept score was no longer a game I was allowed to play. And so every day was a zero. So I would have these brutal um, meetings or layoffs or whatever. And at, at the end of the day, I wouldn't feel like I had at least done my job. I felt like I had failed to do my job because in my mind, my job was making things and I didn't make anything today. And now I make things every day. And so that's a lot better. And then more prosaically i don't, i step into my garage to do my job instead of commuting an hour each way to the city and uh that is also great yeah i bet how about you katie you you've really kind of turned your you know yourself upside down too with this new partnership um what do you like about it the best now after you've been doing it a while yeah there there are a lot of things to like there there are a lot of things that are also hard too but i think the the thing that i like the best is i feel like i have more control um, I have more control over the the types of cases that I take, um, the the people that I see. You know, if somebody calls and I'm just, you know, I don't think that we're a good fit or that's not really something that I want to do or I just don't believe in your cause, you know, I have the freedom now to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not interested in do that. I don't think we're the right fit. I'm, I'm going to send you to somebody else. Um, now, that, of course, affects my bottom line in a much more direct way, but I have the ability to do those things. And then uh, a lot more personal flexibility as well. And I had a, a fair amount of flexibility at my old job. But, you know, if I want to leave the office at noon one day to to go record um, clockwise with Jason, um, I'm I'm much more flexible to be able to go do that certain days. Or, you know, if, if I want to go take off to, to take care of a, a personal matter or to go to a, a conference or something, nobody cares. The only person that that affects now is is me. I'm, I'm I have to check with one person and that's pretty much me. I don't know, some mornings I wake up and I, I've got a nice little garden in my backyard and I have a nice little sofa. I can sit at work and do legal work or Max Barkey. And I just look around and I think free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty. I'm free at last. <laughs> I, I love it so much. I, I'll tell you, it's so much. I, I try to stop myself from worrying about what if I blow this? What if for some reason 
this doesn't work out and I have to go back to the man, you know, um, I can't even put myself in that spot right now because it's, it, it would be, <laughs> it, it'd be like paralyzing for me. So, so that's the other motivation. Yeah. I don't need the man cause I don't want to see the man again. Right. You know, so, mm-hmm. so it is, um, it is wonderful. And, uh, and I got the impression from you, Jason, that you're pretty happy with the way things are going to, as a, as a reader of six colors, I'm thrilled because I'm getting so much more great content from you and hearing your opinions and ideas and podcasts and everything you're doing. It's great. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, that was always a question, right? Is I, I, I my feeling was I wanted to try this because I knew I would kick myself for the rest of my life if I didn't try to do this and just do it on my own and not have the rest of this around me. And that was actually my number one motivator was I have to do this. I have to take this chance. Um, but the, the mystery is, will anybody care? <laughs> yeah. No, you <laughs> and wonder, it's gone right? okay. It's gone better than expected so far, which is great, which is not to say I don't toss and turn at night and think about contingencies of like, well, what if this happens and what will I do here? And would this be, you know, could I do this kind of freelance work or would I have to find a job somewhere or all that? I'm thinking about that stuff all the time that, you know, that's definitely stuff that is anxiety that's there you and i talked about that you know that's when we had lunch that this is a thing that happens but in the end i i um i would much rather be doing that kind of game planning than um than where i was before sure i mean i mean one of the things i told you i'll share my half of the conversations i'm never going to be a millionaire and become like early retirement with the way i'm doing things these days yeah but i love just i love the way i get to practice law i love the way i get to do max barkey and there is a value of that. Not to get, uh, here's a hippie part. We're going to enter the hippie zone right now, man. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, I decided at some point that although it's important to plan for the future and it's important to, you know, plan for retirement and put money away for retirement. And obviously, you know, we're saving for retirement. We're saving for our kids, college, all of those things. I also decided that I was not going to make myself unhappy and and uh hate going to work every day like i was doing for a couple of years and just accept that that was what you did so that at the end you could retire and whenever that was and have a good time i like at some point i just decided that's not what i'm not willing to do that because not because deferred gratification isn't isn't good but because you know what this is life and this is my life and nobody's nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. And I'm not willing to uh, be miserable today in the hopes of a nicer tomorrow. Uh, I want to work hard, but I don't want to work so hard that I don't see my kids who are going to, you know, who are um, my daughter's a teenager and my son's going to be one pretty soon. I I don't want to miss their childhood. I don't want to, I don't want to discover that I'm 60 and, uh, have been miserable for 15 years, uh, but I've got some money in the bank. I just, I don't want to live my life that way. So I'm fortunate that I don't have to live my life that way be, uh, so far. And I hope that it keeps up, but that, that was part of the decision. You talk about a lifestyle decision. That yeah. was part of it was I, I don't want, you know, I, I want to, I want to actually enjoy my life if I can. And my old job did not allow me to enjoy my life. Well, you know, that's funny. I went to the doctor recently and cause I've lost some weight and just generally, and I think I'm happier. And he says, you know, yeah. you, you added 10 years to your life with, with what you've done. And I said, I was, I laughed, you know, like he was just being funny. He says, no, I'm not laughing. And my estimation, you've added 10 years to your life. And, um, boy, you know, that, that's something special. You know, I think we're going to leave on that note because the guy, 
that's a pretty good ending there, Jason Snell. Although, of course, there is the angel question that came on Twitter from multiple sources. So we just need you to answer one last question. Do you wear pants while you write? All right. We want to thank our sponsors for this episode. That would be Gazelle. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you want to answer that one? I do have an acceptable uh, family-friendly answer to that, which is, of, of course, question mark, um, I do usually come out in the morning with my pajamas on to get started with the day. And then at some point after a few hours, I will go take a shower and get dressed for the day. And if it's a cold day, I will be wearing blue jeans. And if it is a warm, pleasant uh, summer day, I might wear a pair of shorts. But yes, I am. I am wearing pants of some sort or other, be they flannel or denim or uh, a shorter version of of same when I'm when I'm writing. So, you know, the the blogger in their garage wearing pajamas is the if you catch me between nine and eleven Pacific you may you may catch me in pajamas but that's it well there you have uh-huh. it folks the answer to yeah. the age old question Burning questions yeah <laughs> Jason Snell I am so happy for you and I'm so pleased well, as a well I'm consumer. happy for you because yeah, this is our reciprocal uh, admiration society and I'm happy Katie that you made the change that you make even though it's not quite the same as what David and I did it's still a big deal so yeah, it's look so- at us. There we go. Yeah. Now everybody head out to six colors and read what Jason's up to uh, subscribe to all of his podcasts. They're all great. Yeah. And Jason, Um, you, you open up a membership option on the site as well. I think we need to give that a little plug. Right. So uh, six colors uh, subscriptions, you get a, what is now a monthly newsletter from me and Dan Moran with original. uh, It's an original newsletter. We write a few articles in there every month. Uh, At some point I'd like to do that more often, but right now it's monthly. And then we also have a weekly podcast that Dan Moran and I do that is a secret subscriber only podcast. And it's actually a lot of fun. And I think it's a pretty good podcast and it's just us talking about sort of what's going on. Uh, Mostly, mostly tech stuff and occasionally a non-tech thing. And that's also a subscriber only thing. Plus it helps us have the money coming in to focus more on writing posts on the site too. So uh, it's $6 a month or $60 for a year at uh, sixcolors.com. All right. All right. And you can also find Jason on Twitter at Jasonell, right? That's it. Okay. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Mac Power Users. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I am at Max Barkey. Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. And we want to thank our sponsors for this episode, uh, Gazelle, Sanebox, Linode, and Hover. And we did something a little different with the sponsors this episode. Let us know if you like that. Uh, and if you want to send us feedback, the way that you do that is you send that to us by feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or obviously, you can catch us on Twitter. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you all next time.